0: had already broken up or stopped making their essential music by the time we came along. In other words, we missed experiencing the album drops as they happened. We couldn't buy Rubber Soul or Pet Sounds or Sgt. Pepper's on the day that it came out, along with the rest of the world in real time. Instead, our way into some of the great artists was through compilations or greatest hits albums. In this episode, we talk about the best of the best. Welcome to The Age-Old Question. I'm Rich Price. And I'm Clint Bierman. This show is sort of like Car Talk meets Behind the Music. Ooh, Clint, I like that. Each episode deals with another question in music fandom. The kind of questions that Clint and I have been debating since we were in college. So today, with the help of some smart
1: people, we're going to come up with the answer. Okay, Clint, what's today's question? Today's question is, what is the greatest, greatest hits album Of all time? That's the age old question.
0: All right, Clint, right off the bat, I think we need to provide some parameters around what it is we're talking about. We're not necessarily talking about like the compilation with the greatest songs. Right. And there are some music fans that turn their nose up at greatest hits albums. Big time. (laughs) Who think that it's just a money grab by the artist or the record label or that it's not a representation of the original creative vision. Right. Right? Yeah. But I
1: look at Greatest Hits
0: albums as like the gateway drug.
1: I wrote the exact same thing. (laughs) I have literally the exact same thing written in my notes. (laughs) Gateway drug. Gateway drug. (laughs) And there are a lot of music snobs out there that... (laughs) literally all right okay well well, we have the same brain same brain so yes so yes so i am not in that camp no because i appreciate the hits i love the hits if i'm gonna get into a new artist yeah i want to hear the hits right if i love that artist i'll go back and find the deep cuts but the greatest hits album is the way that they get their hooks into you yeah and yes it's a money grab Yep. But let's talk about the fact that there's no more greatest hits albums. When you go through the list of greatest hits albums... They all stop at a certain time. 2012, 2013, maybe 2014 was the last one I saw. Because streaming comes in, and now anyone can make a greatest hits album. It's right. just a playlist. They don't need record labels or artists to do that No, for them. I have a greatest hits album of every band I want to listen to. I decide what the greatest hits are that's interesting it's interesting because now it's not up to the artist to decide their favorite songs but what i did was i thought about my childhood and what were the gateway drug albums that got me into that artist all right so when i was growing up first concert i went to kenny rogers oh kenny rogers at the fort wayne war memorial coliseum we're on the aisle and it's actually in the round. So it's in the center of like the arena, like the yeah. hockey rink. It's in the center, and there's chairs all around. And we're sitting on the aisle, and he walked right by us. And we were big Kenny Rogers fans. I, you know, I'm from India. That's what we, country music. So this album was purchased by my family. The other thing about this is Greatest Hits albums are many times for me, it was given to me, or I found it right in your parents in collection my parents collection. Yeah. so when you start to listen to it at that young age it really leaves an impression many people may not know kenny Rogers' music as well as i do but this has some hits the greatest hits album reached number one on both the pop and the country charts in the mm. u.s and it featured three singles that were not included on any of Rogers' studio albums. One of those was Lady, which was written and produced specifically for Kenny Rogers by Lionel Richie.
3: Hmm. Lady, for so many years I thought I'd never find you You have come into my life and made me whole this album sold
1: 24 million copies worldwide, and in country music today, it remains the best-selling compilation release of all time, beating out Garth Brooks's The Hits. Huh. So, Kenny Rogers, track number one, The Gambler.
3: You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count. Sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the
1: dealing's done uh, When you talk about a campfire karaoke situation, there's no bigger song in the world. I mean, people love to sing that song. And this is a song that my dad and I have bonded over for, you know, yeah, for 40 years. <laughs> Definitely. You got no win, win, hold them. Everybody wants to do that on the right. first chorus. And you got to like, whoa, 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 hold on. Wait till the end.
3: You got to know when to hold when hold when when walk away. It's so good.
1: Oh my God. My favorite on this one. Well, I have a couple. Track four is Ruby Don't Take Your Love to Town. You've
3: painted up your lips and rolled and curled your tinted hair. Ruby, are you contemplating going out somewhere? The shadow on the wall tells me the sun is going down. Oh,
4: Ruby.
3: Don't take your love to town.
1: So, Ruby, Don't Take Your Love to Town is about a Vietnam vet who... Is in a wheelchair and his wife is going out
2: Mm. and leaving
1: him at home but it's just so and it's the last verse that it drops all the way out she's leaving
3: now because i just heard the slamming of the door the way i know i've heard it slam 100 times before Oh, it's so good. That's kind of his
1: mojo, right? Same with The Gambler. Right. Coward of the County.
3: Promise me, son, not to do the things I've done. Walk away from trouble if you can. Now it don't mean you're weak if you turn the other cheek. And I hope you're old enough to understand. Son,
1: you don't have to fight to be a man. Like, you probably don't even know this album. And I think I had this on 8-track. And we had a car that had 8-track. And this is one of the few 8-tracks we had. So it was all, all It was always on. When I listened to this last night, it brought up this deep nostalgia. Yeah. I could smell the car. It right. was like this... Very deep emotional thing, and his voice is so good. So, I put Kenny Rogers high on my list. Love it, and it's the best-selling compilation of all time in country music. So, it's got to be in the conversation. A good one. We have an entire episode on the fact that some
0: people just can't abide the Eagles, <laughs> but still, Eagles Greatest Hits, nineteen seventy-one to nineteen seventy-five, was the best-selling album of the twentieth century. Oh my lord! In the United States. And it remained the best-selling album in the U.S. until it was surpassed by Thriller after Michael Jackson's death in 2009. And guess what? In August 2018, it regained its position <laughs> as the best-selling album in oh, the United States. On. The album includes nine singles released between 72 and 75. So Clint, the band initially wasn't happy with their manager Irving Azoff and the record label for cobbling together the songs in what they thought was a ploy to make some more money without having to pay new production costs. But two big reasons they ultimately came around on this idea. One, they made a ton of money. Still making money. Two, it gave them more time to work on their 1976 album, Hotel California. That song would win the Grammy for Record of the Year, though the album of the year went to Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. And Hotel California is one of the best selling albums of all time, more than 26 times platinum, 32 million copies sold worldwide. Whoa. Point is, having more time to work on that album was probably a good thing. Now, back to their greatest hits album. Highlight of the album for me, take it easy. By Glenn Fry and Jackson Brown. As a recording, I think it captures what the Eagles did so well their rich harmonies, the tinge of country to their folk rock. And Jackson Brown, who wasn't in the band but was friends with those guys, had started writing the song in his apartment in the Echo Park neighborhood of LA, near where Glenn Fry was living. Brown was stuck on the second verse. He had, Well, I'm standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. And Glenn Fry jumped in to finish the line. Such a fine sight to see. It's a girl, my lord, in a flatbed Ford, slowing down to take a look
5: at me.
0: And Clint, as you know, my oldest son's name is Winslow. I was just wondering, is this the... <laughs> unrelated to the song, but still, I've always had a soft
1: spot for that. Absolutely. All right, so the Eagles. The Eagles. All right, my next one. I know you know this one. Simon and Garfunkel's Greatest Hits. Mm. Also, yeah. can you visualize the covers of these Greatest Hits albums from your childhood? Yes. Like, I can see this album cover in fact i think i got this one off a bmg thing where you pay like two cents and you get 14 cds sent to your house right i think i got the simon and garfunkel's greatest hits from that one day we'll have to talk about the like the economics of the bmg like how that worked yeah how who made was money? it a was it a ponzi scheme i think they were just i think they were just gateway drugging us oh, i think they were just hooking us that's in. that may be it i mean that may be it who knows? But it doesn't seem financially. <laughs> <laughs> I do think you paid like shipping and handling an right. extraordinary amount of shipping and handling, right. like five dollars shipping and handling. Right. But the CDs, and yet one CD costs like sixteen dollars. Right. The, what is? The, yeah. This is something. We'll happens. have to we'll have to dig in into a new uh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> so the Simon and Garfunkel's Greatest Hits peaked at number five on the UK album chart, and it was a number two hit in America. It's sold 14 million units in the U.S. alone. It is easily their best-selling album in the U.S. and holds the record in the U.S. for the best-selling album by a duo.
4: Hmm.
1: Sorry, Hall Notes. In 2003, the album was ranked number 293 on Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. This is a huge album in my life. Track number one, Mrs. Robinson. And
4: to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jesus loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa whoa God bless you please Mrs. Robinson Heaven holds a place for those who pray Hey hey
1: hey Let me just go through a couple more hits The Boxer
4: Lila <laughs> Line Lila Line Lila Line Lila
5: that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence.
1: Bridge over troubled water.
5: Counting the cars on the new church, you turn back, they've all come to the
4: for of America. All
1: come to the for of America. Cecilia. Mm. Mm. skipping some that are still all hits right so this this is a great collection this has a good run for like a an outdoor afternoon barbecue drinking beer sitting on a porch if this is playing in the background it's a really great album totally try it try it try it listener you're gonna love it and report back (laughs) that's your homework (laughs) simon and garfunkel's greatest hits love it all right who's next
0: credence clearwater revival chronicle volume one okay so we've mentioned john fogarty a few times on the show and he was of course the principal songwriter and lead singer of the band ccr credence their greatest hits album was called chronicle volume one released in 1976 it features 13 of the band's a-side singles and seven of their b-sides it's by far the band's best-selling album I will say, this is a great representation of the value of Greatest Hits for me. I enjoy some of their albums. I love their Greatest Hits album. That's the point. You're right. That's it. So, some highlights Mm -hmm. Proud Mary. Now, some people think this was a cover of an Ike and Tina Turner song <laughs> because that Tina Turner version is so iconic. But this was, in fact, written by John Fogarty. Their version came out two years earlier, even though Ike and Tina won a Grammy for their version. Huh. <laughs> Some other highlights. Who'll Stop the Rain.
4: could through the ages Trying to find the sun And I wonder, still I wonder Who'll Stop the Rain
0: Down on the Corner. Oh, yes.
4: Down on the corner Out in the street Lay in the pump up
0: Their version of It Through the Great Not
4: much longer, would you be mine? Ooh, I paid it the grapevine. And i about to lose my mind. Honey, honey, yeah.
1: I mean there's just so many. They're classics. Classics. And you're right. There's some filler on some CCR records. I found out after. But this was my gateway drug to CCR by far. And the other thing is when you're young and you hear a greatest hits, you're like, man, these guys were awesome. (laughs) They didn't write a bad song. (laughs) Exactly. You just don't get it at that point. And then you go
0: check out Cosmo Factory and you're (laughs) Like,
1: like, all right, well, yeah, they're batting 500. Yeah. I got another one. Great. Let's talk about The Police. Oh, God. Every Breath You Take, colon, the singles. I don't don't remember that it was Every Breath You Take. Yep, it's called Every Breath You Take, colon, the singles. But then they released another one after that called Every Breath You Take, colon, the classics, which had different versions of songs. But this, the singles one, which is how I referred to it, the singles. It's got that like royal blue and black cover. The three of them, maybe like red and yellow. Like it's it's in there. Yeah. This was released in 1986, reached number one in the UK album charts, number seven in the US. This was my way into the police by far. Yep. I listened to this album maybe more than any other greatest hits compilation. This was in the 80s the biggest thing that had ever happened yeah. for me. So let's go through some of these. Yeah. Roxanne.
4: Roxanne!
1: Walking on the Moon is one of my favorites of all time. I love that track. Know what to say here because I love every single song right. on this record. It's, it's hard like, to pick out a couple pick a couple yeah. hits out of the hits, but obviously, every breath you take, which we've talked about, is like the number one played song on FM radio. Every right.
4: You take, every move you, make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you.
1: King of Pain. Here's another one that's chronological. So, starts with the early hits, goes through the whole career. And what's the last one? Wrapped Around Your Finger. Oh. Yeah. This one, Don't Stand So Close to Me, 86. 86 is the version on this. I and see. And I think so that's, that's what's f- different on the classics one. Don't Stand So Close to Me. Yeah. I think that's one... Where they went back to the original? Yeah, because this is the re-recording... Right. ...from Zenyata Mandata. Yeah, so this one was a big... This, this has a lot of love for me. We also talked in a previous episode about how they broke up... Yeah. ...based on the drum track, because... Before they were going into the studio to record their album around the time this came out, Stuart Copeland broke his collarbone, couldn't play drums. And so Sting and Stuart Copeland got in a battle about which drum machine they were going to use. And Stuart Copeland says that was the last straw that actually broke up the band. Interesting. Um, but that was a good one for me. I love that album. Me too. All right. A few quick
0: nominees, Clint. Yep. Remember the James Taylor Greatest Hits album? <laughs>
1: I forgot about that one. That
0: was a huge one. Huge for me. one. Huge. The sort of off-white Yeah. Yeah. That I with always... the, with the tracks listed on the front. Another BMG or whatever.
1: I that was in the same one. Wow.
0: This was this was a gateway drug in the yes. James Taylor. Highlights
1: for me, the first five tracks. <laughs> Something
0: in the way she moves.
5: Something in the way she moves. Looks my way or calls my name.
0: Carolina in my mind. Oh my
5: God. In my mind I'm gone, Carolina. Can't you see the sunshine? Can't you just feel the moonshine? Fire and rain. I walked out this morning and I wrote down this song. I just can't remember who to send it to. I've seen fire and I've seen rain
0: Sweet Baby James Man.
5: Good night, you moonlight ladies rock sweet baby James Deep greens and blues are the colors I choose Won't you let me go down in my dreams And rock sweet baby James Country Road. Take to the highway, won't you lend me your name? Your way and my way seem to be one and the same. Mama do not understand it. She wants to know where I've been. I'd have to be some kind of natural bone food. I want to pass that. Race.
0: Beyond that, there isn't a track I skip, but I particularly love Mexico featuring Graham Nash and David Crosby singing the harmony vocals.
5: Oh, have to go now.
0: And though I have a special love for a few of his albums, like Mudslide Slim, Walking Man, Hourglass... It's really this greatest hits album that is magic. De- Definitive. Definitive. It's so true.
1: And it's his best-selling album, 11 times platinum. I think we're seeing a trend here, right? As a record label, you're like, we're going to make a lot of money on this. If we put all his great songs, I mean, it's it's totally. no wonder it work. Of course. Of course. Good play. Right. I don't know why people have to hate so much. <laughs> You know who we should call for this? Because you and I are so similar in the fact that we just love great songs. We love collections of songs. But there are people out there that just despise the greatest hits in general because it goes against what the band was, uh, their purpose as a band, which was to create great albums. I think I know where you're going with (laughs) it. So who should we call, Rich?
2: (laughs) Jeff
0: Simons? (laughs) Yes, let's call Jeff Simons. (laughs) Great, let's do it. Jeff? Hello. Hey, buddy. How's it going, folks? Jeff? Today's question is: What is the greatest greatest hits album of all time? <laughs> Clint and I are convinced that you have some thoughts.
2: Okay, so first of all, can I ask: are, Is this a pro generally a pro greatest hits conversation? Like, how do we feel <laughs> about greatest hits albums in general?
0: What do you think?
2: Just bring it on. Because <laughs> here is the thing: I was trying to think about. Uh, uh, the Greatest Hits record is like a YouTube clip collection. You yeah. know, it's like Tyrion's Ten Greatest Speeches from Game of Thrones. Or Ron Swanson Eat Things in Parks and Rec for 10 minutes. You know how like there's those like yes. really specific <laughs> YouTube collections? Yep. And like, they're funny. They're good. But they're like totally out of context. And they don't. Like if you said that some, somebody who is a huge Parks and Rec fan was like, have you seen Parks and Rec? And they're like, no, but I've watched those clip collections of, of Leslie giving gifts. They'd be like, well, you don't, you're not watching Parks and Rec. Like, oh no, I think I got it. I think I've got pretty much the gist. That's how I feel about Greatest Hits Records. Like they take, they take things really out of, out of their context and kind of lump them together. Um, and especially since now we are, we're all digital and we all have Spotify, like we could all make our own Greatest Hits record anytime we want. Yes. So for me like the greatest hits collection is really only helpful with the singles artists before albums became the format. Like that those records like those greatest hits records from artists from the 60s before they were really allowed to try and even make long re- like long play records, those I think are really interesting and helpful and probably the best way to listen to those artists cuz those artists thought of themselves as individual song artists and not album artists. That's my overall take on them. I totally get why people like them. You know, if you have like a band you love and you're not a music collector and you just want to have 15 songs by that band in your car, they can be helpful. But most of the time, I think they're probably just put together just totally randomly. Like my favorite band, The Who has like, no joke, probably 25 greatest hits records. I mean, they just, they put one out every year just in case somebody walking by a drugstore is like, I've heard of them. They want to pay like $2 for my generation. And like, they're all pretty terrible. Like, there's now their single Who Greatest Hits collection where I'm like, oh, well, that really reframed and helped me understand the band more. They're just like, just shameless cash grabs. Yes. Did you have one that growing up, like on an eight track or cassette, that you? actually listen to is there one in your childhood oh i mean that's how that's definitely how i started like i mean all of my initial albums were greatest hits like i had bob dylan's greatest hits where he's like lit up from behind on that blue cover and i had the doors greatest hits i had the who's meaty beady big and bouncy which is a collection of singles that's definitely how i started i had the the red and blue beatles double albums uh, the 1962 to 66 and Sixty-seven to seventy, and I loved them all. Like I mean, I I get it, but I wouldn't. It's not like I miss those records or miss the songs and the context of those records as an adult.
0: Well, and that's how we've talked about this. That the greatest hits is really the gateway drug.
2: Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. The gateway drug. <laughs> that's hilarious. The greatest hits is half an edible,
0: right? But there are some for us some transcendent greatest hits compilations like for example bob marley's legend is i think definitive you know I- that's a great
2: choice i mean there's more i think a lot of american rediscovered marley after his death through legend you know what i mean like no no nobody was buying those those albums from the 70s until after legend sold like 50 copies that's a great pick and you're
1: not going to like mine, but I love that Tom Petty and Heartbreakers Greatest Hits with uh, Last Dance with Mary Jane.
2: And that's something in the air at the end, too, right? Yep,
1: and something in the air, exactly.
2: So you know the story behind that, right? Like, they, he owed them a record uh, the, before he switched to Warner Brothers. And they were like, "We well, can just give us the greatest hits. And he was like, never, never in a million years. Greatest Hits is so stupid. And then they, at the contract said he had to put a new song on it. He got even angrier. And then it sold... <laughs> 23 million copies he's like well maybe it wasn't such a bad idea
0: (laughs) Jeff we've talked about artists that their body of work is incredible but their individual albums aren't necessarily really compelling like for example I put Credence in that category like I don't love any one credence album but i love their body of work
2: yeah that's a good call i mean they, that's a really good example of a band yeah. with 20 great songs spread across six records yeah yeah those are all right i may come around you guys are my mine is um the very best of sam and dave that's my favorite like greatest hits record where i really don't care about any of the records like poor sam and dave the the duo that did soul man and soothe me and They have all those incredible singles and then like, all their records are so cheesy. Like my favorite is there's one where this record's called, Hold On, I'm Coming. And it's Sam and Dave sitting on top of a cartoon turtle that's moving (laughs) really slowly, get it? It it is so embarrassing. Like I feel feel so bad for those two guys. Like they pour their hearts out in the studio and then that record comes out. They must've just like kicked the door in the record company. Like, what are you trying to do to us?
0: Tell us about Sam and Dave, because they're a great example of like you know everyone knows Soul Man, but very few people could probably tell you that it was Sam and Dave.
2: Yeah, they're the lost artists from the Stax Volt Memphis label that Booker T and the MGs is the house band, and Otis Redding and uh, Carla Thomas and William Fell and Rufus Thomas, and and uh, Sam and Dave had just a string of top tens for them, but they were R and B hits. The only Soul Man really crossed over. And probably without the Blues Brothers, like Belushi and Aykroyd, doing it in the mid-70s. I don't even know if Soul Man would be one that everybody knows so well. But they did Hold On, I'm Coming, and I Can't Stand Up for Falling Down and Soothe Me. And, I mean, there's at least a dozen just killer tracks by those guys. They did rave-ups, they did ballads really well, and their greatest hits, the very best, of Sam and Dave uh gets has all of the songs that are great like it doesn't miss one just a really nice choice of one or two deep tracks to make it a really great listen i actually i feel like i'm letting you down now you guys have convinced me to be far less cynical about greatest hits and uh we didn't even uh, mention the eagles greatest hits
0: 1971 I'm, I'm, 1970. I it's
2: gonna be a kinder gentler jeff moving forward frank bruni and the times talked about like we we're losing nuance because we're too polarized and i uh I couldn't agree more. Don't lose your edge. Don't lose lose your your edge, edge. Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) The
0: the listeners of this show depend on your edge.
2: (laughs) All it would take is me to actually listen to that record. and I'd be like, edge returned. (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, guys. Great to hear from you. (laughs)
1: one we haven't talked about yet that was big yeah and that is Steve Miller Band's greatest hits oh god i love
0: 1974 that 1974
1: to 1978 released in 78 it just has hit after hit after
0: hit and this is this is one like the credence where the their body of work was so impressive mm-hmm.
1: but the individual albums yeah they had a lot of albums, and there were great songs on each album. But, but if you if you strip it down to just the greatest hits... And this was listened to all the time in college. I, I don't know. I, it, I can hear this coming from dorm rooms. Even in the 90s, and it was released in 78. Interestingly enough, all but one of the tracks came from their last two albums, mm. even though they had 11 studio albums at the time. So the shorter 7-inch single versions of Jet Airliner... Swingtown, The Joker, and Fly Like an Eagle are used in lieu of the longer album versions. So they took the short, sweet, radio-friendly hits and made this perfect album. I mean... I love it. It just... Let's play a couple highlights. Yeah, okay. So obviously, take the money and run. Now the drummer of this that intro drum is Gary Malibur and he actually produced the Griff's 2004 album Life Beyond Aluminum your band The Grift. my band The Grift. and so Gary Malibur is the guy who came up with that this this drum beat didn't get songwriting credit but that drum beat is very universal the Joker
4: i I'm a picker, I'm a grinner
5: and I'm a sinner I play my music in the sun I'm a joker I'm a smoker I'm a midnight toker I give my love and on the run Ooh.
1: Ooh. Fly like an eagle
4: I want to fly <laughs> Spirit, carry me. I want to fly like an eagle. To a free ride right through the
1: world of shore. Jet airliner. Oh, big I mean, this this is an amazing, amazing compilation. Of I love tunes. it. I love that. I love that greatest hits album. Yeah. All right. How about another quick one? Okay. Hot Rocks
0: by the Rolling Stones. <sighs> this was the compilation of the Stones' biggest hits from 1964 to 1971. Again, the gateway drug. Yeah. It was my way into the Stones. That album with the the, the silhouette. Yeah. And the, the heads, heads inside yeah, of heads. Yeah. It's a sample platter. It gives you the taste of their best work. In the period from the British invasion to Sticky Fingers, just before they made Exile on Main Street, I enjoy every track, but the highlights for me are the sheer energy and attitude of Get Off of My Cloud. The anthemic Ruby Tuesday. My favorite Stones track, wild horses.
4: Wild horses, wild,
0: wild horses. wild horses was recorded in Muscle Shoals in December 1969. Mick Taylor, the guitarist who joined the band that year and would only be in the band until 1974 before making way for Ronnie Wood, Mick Taylor plays the acoustic in what's called Nashville Tuning, which is where you take the EADG strings tuned an octave higher than usual with lighter gauge strings. And Ian Stewart, who was the band's piano player at the time, refused to play on the track because he hated playing minor chords. Have you ever heard of that? What? You ever heard of someone be like, no, "No, no, I won't play that. What? It's a minor chord. I'm too happy for that. <laughs> it's a minor chord. I don't <laughs> play minor chords. You're bringing me down. <laughs>
4: anyway."
1: But anyway. Hot Rocks. Hot Rocks. I think... When was the Steel Wheels tour? That 86? was... 86? 89? 89? Or 90? It's fuzzy, but I was in eighth grade driving to the Hoosier Dome to see the Stones. I didn't know the Stones at that point. I was a Beatles guy. I grew up with the Beatles. Right. And the Stones were the other guys. Yeah. They were like... They were like Purdue and I was IU. Or yeah. they were like Duke and I was UNC. Right. So I didn't listen to them. And we're driving out of the concert and I'm going with uh friend's dad and my friend and he put on hot rocks introduced on the way to the show really to the stones by that record. And they ended up playing all All those those songs songs. and I can remember it. The great story about that is that I was in the nosebleeds for the first set. And then somehow we knew somebody and I ended up eighth row at the Hoosier dome in eighth grade for the stones, seeing it that close kind of it's changed it's your life part of the reason i play music now is so inspiring also smelled marijuana for the first time at that show i can remember that vividly being like what is that sweet smell it's like the hoosier dome was like the whole top of the hoosier oh, dome God. was full because you were in the, the nose <laughs> you like, you're probably so
0: super high. watching <laughs> yeah i went to see that tour yeah with my dad You remember the honky-tonk women? Like, they had this huge (laughs) blow-up. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's a good one. Talk about a gateway drug. All right. What's your next one? Okay. Another one I'm going to come at you just sideways because you're not going to expect this, but John Denver's Greatest Hits, Volume 1, is an absolute masterpiece. And the interesting thing about this one is that when the Greatest Hits album was released John Denver said that he felt like he had progressed as a singer progressed as an artist so re-recorded a lot of the songs for the Greatest Hits album so Took didn't use the original versions of these songs and they they weren't hits in the sense of like you know there were a couple like Take Me Home Country Roads you know songs that people knew but a lot of these are not standard hits in the way they would be number one hits right Hmm. but they were definitive of john denver so the greatest hits volume one is a compilation of a few tracks taken directly from the albums and then four or five were completely re-recorded the same song just completely re-recorded for the greatest hits album so he could show like his best he could give you the greatest greatest hits it's
0: interesting because you know in that sense he saw himself as a songwriter and the songs
1: were what mattered Totally Not the recordings Right and, and and he became a better singer So he's like I don't want to put that out Right Notable new versions Were leaving on a jet plane Let me, go,
4: let me go. Cause I'm on a jet plane Don't know
5: when I'll be back again oh, babe, I hate to go Follow me follow me up and down all the way and all around I'll take my hand and say you'll follow me
1: rhymes and reasons
5: and you wonder where we're going where's the rhyme where's the reason and it's you cannot accept it is here we must begin to
0: Sunshine on My Shoulder.
5: Sunshine on my
0: shoulders makes me happy.
4: Sunshine in my eyes can make me cry.
1: This was his best-selling album of his career, Nine Times Platinum. 10 million worldwide it contains take me home country roads is another when you're talking about campfire karaoke and acoustic guitar sing-alongs it's hard to top it's hard to top
4: it country roads take me home
1: mountain
5: high
1: my personal favorite of john denver is leaving on a jet plane just because i have vivid memories of playing it in high school around graduation of high school i remember being at parties and playing that song and it was like an anthem for our class interesting and so yeah takes me right back i also saw john denver at market square arena where the pacers played huh And it was moving. Loved it. All right. John Denver. John Denver. I'm going to get railed for this. (laughs) So,
0: Clint, you had talked about your parents' record collections. I remember as a kid, my parents didn't have a huge record collection. It's skewed more Philharmonic than Phil Spector. (laughs) As you know, my mom's English, and she was in high school when the Beatles came out. And no matter how many times I ask her, she still doesn't remember the day Sgt. Peppers came out. (laughs) I love her, and I don't judge her too harshly for it. But one of the albums I do remember from their collection, and playing it on our family record player as a kid, is The Beach Boys' 20 Golden Greats. Oh, man. A compilation of the band's hits from 1962 to 1969. It was released in the UK in June 1976. That was the month that I was actually born. And it was the second biggest-selling album of that year in Britain. It reached number one and stayed there for 10 weeks. First of all, do you remember this? The cover is a painting of a surfer turning on a glistening wave, the sun sparkling in the water beneath bright blue skies. You can almost smell the Hawaiian tropic sunscreen. Wow. The Beach Boys, from this original era anyway, were Brian Wilson, the principal songwriter and genius of the band, his brothers Carl and Dennis their cousin, Mike Love, and their friend, Al Jardine. The first two songs from that were Brian Wilson's surf interpretations of Chuck Berry rock and roll. Surfing USA. Fun, fun, fun. The band's yeah, but first number one was I Get Around. A song that I love, that I remember loving as a kid, is Help Me Rhonda. Oh, help me Rhonda. Help, help me, Which features Beach Boy Al Jardine on lead vocals and the session band that includes Glenn Campbell on 12 string acoustic. Who later joined the band? Did he really? Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. California Girls, written by Brian Wilson and Mike Love, with lead vocal from Mike Love. I wish they. And from the band's high watermark Pet Sounds, which would inspire the Beatles to create Sgt. Pepper's, God Only Knows, maybe Brian Wilson's greatest song, maybe my favorite song of all time. Paul McCartney, he said, it's the greatest song ever written.
1: Oh, man, that song kills me. I may
4: not always love you, but long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it
5: God only knows what I'd be without you
0: And Good Vibrations, a really ambitious track that blends instruments like theremins, early synthesizers, jaw harps with an incredible vocal arrangement and performance from the band. I'm picking up Good Vibrations She's giving me the And even though you and I love Kokomo, which comes much later in the band's career, this compilation of their essential hits
1: really captures what the Beach Boys did best. Good Vibrations is a no joke song, like almost impossible to reproduce. Totally. I mean, there's two basses, there's horns, there's string, like it's just a massive undertaking. But to see that progression from those early hits all the way through to Good Vibrations is pretty cool. You're someone who's done a lot
0: of vocal arrangements. What is it about the Beach Boys? Like as soon as you hear a Beach Boys
1: track, you know it's the Beach Boys. I think part of it is they're all singing around one mic live looking at each other in the eyes and they have documentaries about this. If you go to YouTube, you can see like good vibration settings. I think they spent four days doing the vocals of that one song. Wow. And th- that song took months. Right. Just that one song. And there's a whole, it's like a short, it's probably 12, 15 minute documentary about that song. And it's fascinating. Hmm. I highly recommend seeing it. But part of it is the arrangement and it's got that like it's always got those cool little like some of those
0: falsetto
1: harmonies and that's brian right yeah he was a master of harmony not in the sense of vocal harmony but just like using notes to make chords in interesting ways which also translates to harmony in the vocal sense but his harmonic sense was so interesting he would add notes that weren't just a major chord he would add a ninth or a you know, a sixth or a seventh note in there, which really, cause they had lots of singers. That's the other thing. General singing, you'd have a three part harmony, but on a lot of these Beach Boys things, they would five, six, five, six voices like octaves. Yeah. There's definitely a sound. And you have to be a
0: genius to write those arrangements, which he was of course, but you also have to have great singers, right? And those guys were great singers, great,
1: accurate, great blend that's the other thing yeah. if you have if the thing about good harmony singing is having interesting voices but also having voices that work well together your band the sweet remains you each have very distinct voices that alone are incredible and you'd think that maybe it wouldn't work because they're such unique voices, but you have such great blend because you try to have great blend. Like, it's part of the deal. Right. It's You have to listen and find... You don't want to be too loud. You don't want to have too much inflection on certain things. It's the blood in the
4: veins the brotherhood of freedom And all that remains Like the memory of Eden
1: being able to blend is a super important part. Right. And what the Beach Boys did was blend. And they were, the four freshmen were like their inspiration, which is a group from before them. And they were a total vocal group. And they took so much from them. So here's a little snippet of the four freshmen
5: It's a time for joy, a time for tears, a time where
1: that's real singing
0: and it is interesting like they drew from the four freshmen and then chuck berry and they and that's the beach Boys, and that's the bit yeah yeah so i have just one quick go ahead thing I just checked the iTunes top 10 of rock albums. Eight of the current top 10 on iTunes rock albums are greatest hits albums. Right now. Right now. Credence. Is in the top 10? Journey. Oh, Journey's a good one. Eagles. (laughs) Queen. Petty and the Heartbreakers. Fleetwood Mac. Beatles 1. And Zeppelin Mothership. So eight of the current top 10 rock albums on iTunes charts
1: are Greatest Hits albums. That's coming from a playlist generation. Yeah. Right? People that they, people these days can't stand filler. I don't need filler in my life. Why would I have filler? I right. want just, the hits. Just give me the hits. Just give me the hits. For a second, can we just talk about The Beatles 1? Yes. Like having a Greatest Hits album of all number one hits. Mariah Carey had it. Michael Jackson had it. Look, we are Beatles homers. Like,
0: (laughs) anyone who's listened to the show knows that they're our favorite band. Yeah. And so, in some ways, it's just so obvious that we would pick the Beatles. Right. But how can you not say that a greatest hits album that is all
1: number ones and not, and it's like, it's 27 tracks. Right. Right. Like, it's not, it's not eight tracks and done. It's like, the gift that keeps on giving 27 number one tracks in a row. And everyone knows every every single song, every single song word for word, starting with Love Me Do. Here's what I'm going to do,
0: Clint. Okay, I think I'm prepared to answer this question. Okay, And the reason I'm not going to pick The Beatles' number one is because that's not the essential album. You know what I mean? Huh. Like, if, if you were to give me a choice between picking one the Beatles one or Sgt. Pepper, I might choose Sgt. Pepper, huh, right. or
1: I might choose Rubber Soul, right. or I might choose Abbey Road. Right. It's almost like not fair. They're it's like
0: almost it's... not fair. Right. But if you were to say, choose one Bob Marley record. There's only one. There's only one. Right. There's only one. Right. I love Bob Marley. He's one of my favorite artists of all time. And though I've listened to and enjoyed all of his individual studio albums, The greatest hits compilation, Legend, is the definitive Bob Marley album. Don't you agree? I mean, one way to consider this conversation is this way. If you're going to a desert island and you could only bring one Bob Marley record... Right. Which one are you bringing?
1: See, that's the argument for the greatest hits album in general. Right. Put it in one. Legend. Legend. (laughs) Released in 1984,
0: three years after he died from a malignant melanoma... There's not one dud in this bunch, Clint. Listen to this track listing from the original vinyl release. Side one, Is This Love?
4: love love
0: No woman, no cry. Could You Be Loved? Buffalo soldier,
4: and just a buffalo soldier in the heart of
0: get up stand up
1: Side one. That, what you just said was like college late at night. (laughs) Totally. Like that is my college experience in a lot
0: of ways. And then side two, I won't list them all, but side two has one love. the soundtrack of my college so one significant criticism of this collection is that it seems to deliberately avoid his most political songs Hmm. and as such was designed to appeal to white audiences it's a fair point bob marley wrote some incredibly poignant songs that laid bare the bitter truth of the slave trade colonialism poverty and other issues that shaped his life in politics still legend is definitive it's omnipresent and it's one of my favorite collections of songs of all time
1: so what's the greatest of the great for me tom petty and the heartbreakers greatest hits this was my way into the... tom petty and the heartbreakers yeah. by far when they release greatest hits albums the record label generally speaking adds a couple singles right so it's like yeah everybody's got these tunes and all you know all the hits you have the albums conceivably but we're going to add this new song that you can't get anywhere else. So at least in the 90s, 80s, 70s, you had to buy the album in order to have that song. And for this album, it was... Last Dance with Mary Jane. And it was a it was one of their biggest hits ever. And it was not on any other album. It was released on the Greatest Hits album. Last
4: Dance with Mary Jane. One more time to give. Summer, creeping in, this again.
0: It's a great song. It's a great song. That song was originally titled "Indiana Girl." Oh, see, that's why
1: I love it. That's, obviously. that's why I'm drawn to know, it. As, as all our, our listeners know, you're from Indiana, <laughs> well, Hoosier, who's your, who's your Hoosier Daddy. So let's talk about this album for yeah. a second. Petty's best-selling album to date. 12 times platinum, and Mary Jane's Last Dance became the most popular song. It reached number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 1 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Tracks chart. It is interesting what you say
0: about how labels would often throw these sort of extra bonus tracks on, but it's unusual that that bonus track becomes a hit in its
1: own right. No, usually it's like, oh, they just put this together at the last second just to satisfy the record company or something.
0: And going back to our very first episode about can you create a masterpiece after the age of 40? Once a band has put out a Greatest Hits album, it's sort of like... We're done. In a lot of ways, right? Yeah. And yet Tom Petty would go on to, as we discussed in that episode, create maybe his, his best work. Right. A year or two after that. And that song... Mary Jane's Last Dance
1: came out of that Wildflower session with Rick Rubin. Amazing. I listened to this album as if it were released as its own album, not a greatest hits. Because I didn't know. When you start listening to Greatest Hits album and you're young and you get this album, you just listen to it. I was unaware that there were other albums. Honestly, like, right? You know it's greatest hits. They were on other but this was my beginning of Tom Petty. And every track on here is absolutely a banger. There is no filler. Yeah, it's it, it's the expression is, you know, all killer, no filler. Yeah. Too many hits.
0: What it's, are the highlights for you? American Girl. Oh, yeah.
4: All right. Take it easy, baby. Make it last Make all night. Nice. She was an American girl.
1: Refugee. Won't back down Running down a dream Free falling Learning to fly Into the great wide open Let Mary Jane's last dance And something in the air So I would say Tom Petty You're saying Bob Marley Legend Legend Did we do it? I think we did <laughs> I think we did it I think we did
0: Alright and, and we hope you had as much fun as we did <laughs> And we hope you'll join us again next time When we answer another Age Old Question, old question. us on instagram at the age old question facebook
1: the age old question
0: we hope this conversation has sparked some ideas and thoughts of your own let us know in the comments
1: but let's be kind people
0: yeah no hating no hating
6: it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football